What's up? Ah, uh, this book. Yeah, um, big big week here at the at the Sad Boys Book Club. The book, I I, I have to say, and, and and I'm sure I've said this every episode, but I I cannot stress enough how much uh, how how much I'm really uh, enjoying this book this time around. Yes, welcome. Join me. Bask in the the glow of the expanse. It's so comfy here. <laughs> take take the expanse pill. Yes. Don't worry when your eyes get replaced by weird crystalline monster eyes. It's fine. It's part of the plan. <laughs> Trust the plan. Welcome to Sad Boys Book Club. My name is Dusty. And I'm Daniel. And this is Caliban's War Part 3. We are covering the, uh, the, uh, the third quarter of this book. Yeah. Roughly, more or less... Yeah, we're we're cutting it up into roughly 150 page chunks. Yeah, and uh, man, um, this was the hardest part to put down. Yeah, um, and I mean that like while reading it, being like, "Oh man, I just want to keep reading this," and then also getting to where we stopped for the week and being like, "Are you kidding me? I got to put this down now." <laughs> Even I, I think, I think this is. Um... You know how last week we said uh, we we weren't like dismissive or negative of it, but we did say that it felt like, um, well, it, it's it became fashionable in the last fifteen ish years to kind of like move stories to like or the writing advice has become such that they they really rec- recommend putting like a big narrative hook at the beginning of the the book to get people like to commit to reading the book, which. You know, fair enough. I, I, I fully understand the merits of it. But it, the, it kind of, like, necessitates a, a, a more, um, a slower second part. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that, that, that we definitely felt that in this book. But, you know, put, we're coming back into part three, it, it's, it's, uh, it's really peaking here. Yeah. Um, and I feel like this whole, like, anticipation for the final quarter is... Um made even worse from the fact that uh i've had the flu for the last week so we didn't get to record last weekend which means i have been sitting on not being able to read this book for the last week and that's torturous to me i'm just like i just want to (laughs) know yeah it's it's um i don't know i i there's a lot of times and i'm sure we'll get to them but there was times when i was reading i was very interested to hear uh, here's some of your takes on some of this as we go along. Yeah. Well, um, you came to the right place. Sad Boys Book Takes. Yes. Um, where we left off was Holden and the crew had just dealt with the um, the protomolecule monster soldier, and it left the incendiary grenade behind, and it detonated, knocking Prax unconscious. That's where Holden and the crew and Prax were left. Um, I think where we left with uh, Officer Rolla and Bobby was Bobby finding um, Soren having been going behind Officer Rolla's back and like like you know doing dealings with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of where we've left them. Uh, yeah, it, this this part um, definitely has a lot more meat to it than uh, I would say probably the previous two. I'd say this is probably the densest the densest section we've covered so far? I think that's fair to say. 
a lot happens, even for Avasarola and Bobby. Well, ki kind of. I, I could probably still summarize their section. Um, I'm going to throw a little mild, mild spoiler here, too, but we've hit the point in the book where the, the storylines have finally converged. And by the mm -hmm. end of this section, all four uh, perspective characters are on the Rosinante. Um, which you're probably thinking, how the hell did Bobby and Avasarala make it on the Rosinante? Well, I'm glad you asked. Well, you'll find out. And also, I'm, I'm not glad you asked. Why are you listening to this and having not read the book? What is wrong with you? What are you doing here? Go read Caliban's War after Leviathan Wakes, and then go read Abaddon's Gate after that. Like, do it, dude. Come on. What are you doing? Um, but yeah, uh, I feel like I could still somewhat relatively quickly summarize Bobby and Avasarala's plot up until they get onto the Rosie, because outside of the the plot point that gets them onto the ship, it's still just more just kind of political maneuvering and playing the game. And it's really great when you're reading it, and it's a lot of fun character writing and world building for the politics of the UN, but it's just not really... I don't think it's really fun to kind of talk about unless you want to like pick out like very specific sequences because it's just like, you know, and then she called her boss and then they talked about Venus and then she went and talked to Bobby and she asked Bobby about her feelings. And it's like, you know, it's really good reading, but it's not really good retelling, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm just, just as a point of clarification, because we, we're on a little bit we had a, a a quick hiatus because of the the your, your illness um but was the 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 uh soren firing section did that happen during this portion or did that happen during the the week two portion i think that's the first chapter that we read the, this last time okay i think the first thing we read was an officer all chapter where that was dealing with the soren thing okay that's right but yeah um yeah, Soren gets to her first, and he he's like, "Oh yeah, Bobby is not actually Bobby. She's a she's a spy, and this is her real name, and she's been undercover this whole time." And I'm just my first thought when I'm reading that. And granted, this is coming from an om, om, omnipresent reader uh, who knows the truth. Omniscient. I don't want to say omniscient because we don't know everything. We only know what's we only know what's been told to us, but we know more oh, than the characters be, because we we are in the minds of multiple characters. But you know, because we 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 live in Bobby's mind for, I'm going to be generous and say a quarter of the book, even though I'm pretty confident that her section of the books uh, has been less than a quarter total. Um, we know the truth, but yeah, I, I just I love Soren's plan. Like it's just so out there and it requires Avasarola to just not think about it at all take him at face value not question her about it at all act really reactionally and emotionally and it, it, like all of these just it requires her to not be her in order for Soren's plan to work and I'm just reading it and I'm like dude how do you expect this to go like realistically this this there's some I, I this is one thing that I had some interesting thoughts about and, I, and I'm gonna wrap this into something else later but it it felt a little fast you know for, for that exact reason it's like it felt a little like half baked and it was kind of it seems like it was based on some assumptions on the part of Soren that just do not jive with the reality of what we've read where he he kind of pictured himself as like this sort of like completely untouchable 
guy that had her had Avasarola's like uh, full and total buy-in um and yet she like she like sees through this in in like a matter of moments and maybe maybe there is a certain veracity to this idea of him having her full buy-in or if not her full buy-in she has a profound knowledge of Soren and I think that was his undoing because like at first she was kind of I, I remember you know she was kind of going with it and then she like sees like what can be best described as a tell you know and then she was like oh and then at, at that point she she uh, she kind of 180'd on it and um, basically ended up uh, excoriating him and then firing him immediately yeah yeah and I just it's you know and I, I think you know the reason for it is because Bobby she's you know she's a straight shooter she told him straight up that she's gonna tell on him and you know mm-hmm. she's she's massive she is she's a Martian soldier she's you know she's really tall she's super muscular she's a powerhouse so what what's he gonna do to her realistically what can he do to her so I, I feel like this kind of slapdash thing was just the best he could do within the timeline that he was given but he was also in communication with uh, the the war faction, for lack of a better name. Yeah, and that that's that's partly why he was doing it was to uh, to sort of, I guess, get Avasarala, if not on the war faction, at least have her somewhat neutralized in terms of being able to to uh, to work the peace angle with Mars. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like you said, she sees through it and she fires him after after she she uh, makes him think that she believes him and has him go and make her another pot of tea. That's something we haven't talked about. She ha- he makes he's because he's basically her. Um, I don't. I feel like saying he's her understudy would be a little too generous, but I feel like that's the kind of best word I have for. She's her like right her assist her assistant. Yeah, something 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 kind of more like a Senate page maybe kind of closer to that yeah so he makes her a lot of tea it's just just kind of a thing that happens here and there um but yeah i just i love how just kind of to really dig it in she has him make her another cup of tea because she thinks he makes really good tea um but yeah bobby comes in and tells her the truth and she believes bobby because she knows that soren's lying to her and i love this 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 bit here where it's like this relationship that's grown between avasarala and uh and Bobby to where they're they're on technically they're on two side two different sides of this war but they're the only people that they can trust that they know right now because they know where their alliances are and know what that they both do want the same thing so it's like you know you're technically by all legal classifications my enemy but like you're also kind of the best person I can have with me right now and I just I love that dynamic it's really well done mm-hmm and I do think there's a, a very genuine bond forming between the two of them. Yeah, there is a very like strong. I don't want to say necessarily like maternal bond, but it, it is like it, there is like you can definitely see like a growing sense of of like affection between the two of them. Yeah, which speaking of a maternal bond, which I, I do agree, I don't think it is necessarily maternal. I really liked the bit where. Um, when she's talking to Bobby and she says how she reminds her of her daughter when, when she was like really mm-hmm. angry 
and tells the story of after her son died and her, her daughter was doing the dishes and her hands were bleeding because she just kept scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing, but she wasn't noticing because that's how she had, she was dealing with the grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked that bit. That was such a, a really great um, moment between Officer Ella and Bobby. Yeah. Yeah, that was very good. And um, I don't know. It was. Uh, I thought that was one of the more um, emotionally effective portions of the book. Uh, not to say that it's 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 bad ever, but it's it's you know there was something there was a there's some there was some real meat there, and it was there was a real there's some real uh, reality to that. Yeah, um, and th- this this section just further uh, just further um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like it it reinforces my opinion. Yeah, it reinforces a good word. Um, yeah, and this section just further reinforces my opinion that Avicerella is the best new character in this book. She's really good. I, I've, I'm pretty sure I've been on 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 uh, record on, so far talking her up, but I just I don't know. She's she's really good. She's really interesting. I think, you know, and it's a shame that her portions don't always make for the best um, radio, so to say. Maybe that's some. This we could kind of like in the final episode we could do like touch on some some things about her. But either way, like she's she's a very good character, very interesting character. I really like her vantage point. Like her, the things that she wants are very easy to root for. You know, not not that that's necessarily something that you absolutely must have, but it you know it's a I don't know. It just makes. I don't know. It's it's just it's she's a she's a very likable and accessible character, and was definitely a very very strong addition to the broader uh, expanse series. Um, I'm I'm using this this comparison very loosely because she is um, not at all similar in terms of character personality traits, but in terms of just a very broad comparison, she's the Ned Stark of the expanse. Well, this book, this series is compared to um, uh, A Song of Ice and Fire. I can't imagine so, why. I don't know why, but on the back of my book it says, this is the, the Expanse is the Song of Ice and Fire of sci-fi or something like that. Yeah, I, I, I really loved how many sections talked about the, the spread of food that they had on the Rosinante. Pages upon pages of Holden just describing all the food he had. And he's like, hey, Praxidike, look at this delicious gourmet feast that i've made for you and by the way let me tell tell you about the time that naomi and i had sex well i will say that they, they did kind of do that in the first book um but they kind of in, in an inverse way they're like he was eating the cube of nutrients it was very cube like but not very tasty you know they, but yeah. they i remember they went into like weirdly expansive detail about that at one one point or another and i i remember us commenting on that but not not at all in this this book so far with the exception of like uh, he had some coffee and it was good she drank some tea and she really liked it you know yeah it's it's the coffee that's getting the focus in this one it's almost every holden chapter there's got to be some reference to coffee this guy, this guy's he's pulling, he's pulling a, a Dale Cooper on us. Yeah, but hey, Daniel, maybe that's why they call the series the Expanse. <laughs> but 
But um, yeah, it's it it is unfortunate though because like 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 we've we've said already, it really is hard to just really go in and talk about a lot of these Avasarala sections in depth and in detail because it really does just mostly boil down to we she talks about her personal life or her character arcs or developments or whatever or they talk about political things and it's 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 really really good reading i really want to stress that the reading is fantastic while you're, you're going it you're like i at least you know i am i i uh super engaged in the plot like love it i I've, I've never turned the page and seen her name on the chapter and been like damn it ah no <laughs> I, I've done that with so many books that I love, even like you know, like I've, I, I've you know, I've read the, the Ice and Fire books multiple times, and there are plenty of perspective characters in Ice and Fire that I'll turn the page and I see their name and I'm like, shit, ah, damn, it's gonna be one of these kind of kinds of chapters. Why can't I get another Tyrion chapter? Those are fun. Bran is one of the biggest offenders, by the way. Bran, Sansa, uh, uh, Arena Martell, or or or. or, or Ari- Ariana? Ariana Martell? It's been a long time, I'm sorry, and she wasn't in the show, so this, most people don't know This is an anti-brand podcast. Um, we are, we, this is the brand hate podcast. We, this is, we are anti-brand, anti-Martells, just in general. Just. I'll tell you who, who didn't have a better story than Brand the Broken. David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. Got him. Oh yeah, we're going back to 2019, fools. Ooh, it's Just, okay. I'm, I'm I'm a Game of Thrones hipster. I hated that show since season four. But to kind of start rounding off uh, the first bit of Avicerala and Bobby's storyline, um, so Avicerala, she kind of realizes through um, uh, a number of things at this point, uh, including Soren's betrayal, that uh, she's. She's. I, I think. I think we, it happened in the last part that she learned that she's kind of been played, a, a little mm-hmm. bit. Right. Like we started. We learned that in the in in the in the second quarter. Right. I I believe so. I think there was kind of there was kind of the stirrings of that, then. Yeah. So now she know she feels truly alone, in terms of like, in this political game. The only person she really has is Bobby, who is not really somebody that you can realistically rely on unless violence is required or or she has negative political capital essentially yeah or or violence deter violent deterrence is required because uh ain't ain't many people gonna be standing up to bobby realistically um so uh aaron wright tells her uh that it would be in her best interest to travel with uh jules mao Jules Pierre Mao, Julie Mao's father, from Mao Kwiatkowski, uh, to uh, Ganymede for a relief run, a relief aid run. And she's put in a position to where, and she relays this to Bobby, and she's like, this is just how the game is played. Uh, If I don't go, I basically, they might as well shoot me. Because Bobby's like, this is a trap, they're just trying to kill you. And she's like, no, that's not how this is played. They're not trying to kill me. They're just trying to basically make me as useless as possible without having to kill me. And if I refuse to go on this, they might as well shoot me because I'm I'm not going to be able to. I'm I'm going to be gone. I'm I'm going to be useless. Like they they will have won. Uh, so I basically have to go because I have to play their game. But you know what? We'll figure it out. So they're going to have to go on this ship to Ganymede. And but she has a plan in place of her own to help kind of 
get a little bit of an upper hand herself on it because this is this is Aaron Wright's way of trying to take her out of the game so that she can't interfere with the Warhawks making war and trying to just, you know, have their giant dick measuring contest with Mars because you gotta fight the enemy you know so that you're weakened and depleted for that the devil you don't know on Venus when he's ready to show up because that makes perfect sense. Why not? This is this is not even Chekhov's gun. It's like Chekhov's evil sentient planet. Yeah, imagine if you're playing Mass Effect and like and you're playing Mass Effect 2 and your main storyline, the main plot of Mass Effect 2 is basically, hey, you know it'd be really great if we went and killed all the Turians, Asaris, and, and uh, Solarians. Oh, there's Reapers coming? Yeah, well, you know, it'll be a lot easier to deal with those Reapers if we kill the Turians first. So why don't you just go and kill the Turians because we won't need them when the Reapers show up, right? It's just, it's something like that. And it's like, it's like, you, 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 you this is so short-sighted. This, this is so stupid. And it, it's just... It's just, you know, we're, we're, it's to the point now to where you know, this feels like some pretty clear uh, political commentary where instead of, you know, the U.S. and the Middle East, it's the U.N. and Mars. And then you have the mm-hmm. Belters who are just kind of like, yeah, we're just happy to be here, guys. And it's, you know, so it, I feel like there's some pretty clear political commentary with, like, modern allegories to, to the 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 world as it was in 2012 but it's just showing that we've now stopped focusing on on making wars with each other based on a uh a a line on a map on the planet now it's planets on a map in a solar system that's where the lines are are, are drawn and it's I just, I, I don't understand, like, everybody knows what's going on on Venus. Everybody knows what the proto-molecule does. And, like, yeah, I, I know, I know that the, the, the UN created these proto-molecule soldiers that we've been seeing throughout the story. Sorry, minor spoilers. Um, the UN's been creating them. Like, we, we learned this in, in this part, and, like, they're, they are, like, sending them out to test them to try and, like, control them and whatnot. And, I, I you know, I, I, I'm assuming the plan, the, the long-term plan for that is to, if they can control the proto-molecule, then they don't have to worry about Venus. But it's like, you're you're still taking a major, major gamble here because if you fail, you're just letting Venus just walk all over you if, if it comes out and becomes a major threat. You're just giving up, basically, because you're shooting your shot at your opponent's goal and hoping that their goalie kicks it into your goal. It's so stupid. These people are stupid. So they they leave, and they're they're working their way to Ganymede on this on this super luxurious pleasure cruise, basically because Jules Pierre Mao is a show off because he's one of the richest men in the galaxy. Because of course he is. Um, but he's leaving. She originally uh, he, she was under the impression that he was going to travel with them to Ganymede. And as they stop it, uh, as they're getting ready to go, he's like, oh yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, something pressing has come up and I have to leave. And Officer Ola's like, alright, so, um, Bobby, we, uh, we're gonna be taking the ship over because I have a feeling that things are gonna not go well for us. And there's this really nice, convenient little, uh, law 
where if you do not listen to your political attendees demands if you don't if you don't like go with their demands because they I guess they technically outrank you uh, then you are illegally holding them against their will and that they have the power to commandeer the ship well I think it's 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 it feels like it's less that and more like they are kind of the the the, the people under Mao uh, are, are what their intentions are here are it, it they are in fact it is kind of a, a a soft kidnap it's because they she is she is being held in the ship in this very intentionally in this like slow moving kind of situation um to kind of keep her out of uh out of range of the or out of contact with with the uh with the the brewing conflict so it's it's essentially um, like imprisonment, but without um, without the name, essentially. Yeah. And uh, so she kind of planned for this and prepared for it by uh, making sure that she was able to track down and recover Bobby's uh, marine uh, power armor suit. So that's with them. And uh, when it finally does happen, uh, she's trying to send a... Uh, well, to kind of get to, to back up a little bit before we get to that point, um, she's constantly being uh, under surveillance. She's she's doing like fake coding uh, messages that just kind of throw them for a loop. Uh, she's got this um, this bodyguard, this personal bodyguard, and his his uh, his men there for her protection as well as Bobby. I forgot his name, but he's really cool, and I like his character. Is it something like Courtier or something like that? Something like that. Uh, probably badly butchered the pronunciation but um so she's got that and uh basically she discovers and we'll kind of we'll get to this with holden's story but she figures out where holden and his crew are and where they're going and there's something that holden did that we'll get to that's been broadcast and now because of what holden broadcasted again um the UN has disengaged some ships from uh, Ganymede and are putting them on a course to the Rosinante to destroy it. And so she wants to send a message to Holden, and they're not allowing her to do the use their tight beam laser to uh, contact anybody. And that's when she's like, "All right, you're holding me against my will. Bobby, take the ship." And we have Bobby take the yeah. ship. It's cool. I like it. Yeah, that was a really interesting action sequence, kind of like, of her uh, suiting up, getting in the armor, and then kind of working her way through the ship as they try to stop her. Um, it's pretty cool because I don't, I don't know. There, there, it, it, it's one of those um, situations where, I mean, obviously there, 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 the constraints of like firing uh, weapons within a, uh, a moving spaceship. And she's also trying to not kill any of the uh, uh, any of the, the 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 guards, and I don't know. It's 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 a really interesting and kind of fun sequence as she kind of works her way through the ship. Yeah, it's our first real Bobby action sequence since like chapter one. 
and even that was not much of an action sequence. It was like an action. Oh slaughter. crap! What is that monster? I'm gonna shoot at it and then get like wrecked, get like thrown into the air and then fall and get knocked out. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that. It was fun. Uh, she may or may not have killed some people. Doesn't really matter. She kind of tried not to, but they didn't really give her options. But she she did the Kiryu slash uh, Batman. Yeah, basically. Um, but yeah, they take the ship, and uh, Officer Rolla, uh has her plan. Like, well, she 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 now has control over, over the ship, and she wants to get her message to Holden. And a really great. I don't want to call it an Easter egg because it does become a plot device. So it's not so much an Easter egg, so much as it's a, it's a callback. It's a plot device that's a callback. And what is attached in the ship bay, one of the ship bays is none other than Julie Mao's. What's it called? The panache, panace, panace. The penis. The penis. Her 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 um. Her little racer, her racer uh, ship. That she that loved was... so much that they threatened to to sell in Leviathan Wakes if she didn't come home. The Razorback, that's what it was called. The Razorback, yes, yes. Yeah, I was like, oh wow, that's so cool. There it is. We we you know we 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 had uh, Miller had so many thoughts about that Razorback, and then we never saw it. And look, there it is. So that was really cool. I loved seeing that. Yeah, it was it was interesting. I. I wonder if it will have any uh, major uh, plot relevance later, or if it was just uh, a little bit of a, just more of a callback here. Well, uh, we'll find out, but let's hop over to Holden and Prax before we uh, we converge on these two, these two storylines. Uh, so yeah, where we left Holden and the crew, uh, the bomb just detonated and things are uh, unstable. So, uh, they have to just kind of quickly assess the situation, assess the situation and, um, do, uh, essentially a quick fix to get them stabilized and ready to, uh, make it back to Tycho. So, they do that. It's, it's not as bad as it could have been, and there were some, like, really lucky breaks that I'm really wanting a little bit of a... I'm hoping there's going to be a bit of an explanation for it because he goes down into the the like the reactor core, and there's some shrapnel in the wall that came from the complete opposite end of the room, and the only way it could have gone from its original resting place into the wall where it landed was going through the reactor core, but it didn't. It somehow it looks like it had somehow arced around it in some way, and it, it's come up twice in this section when Holden sees it for the first time and when they get to Tycho and the, the repair chick Sam is talking about it she's like she's like yeah uh, that thing either boomeranged around or your uh, your uh, reactor core learned how to duck hmm. so I'm, I'm really wondering if that's going to be something relevant because it's it was brought up twice very very specifically like that was weird so I don't know but uh yeah, they, they get the ship in a uh, suitable-to-travel state and make their way to Tycho Station. Uh, there's still a lot of uh, tension between Holden and Naomi because of how he's been acting and his he's how he's like, Fred did it. There's no way Fred didn't do it. Uh, they, they 
get Prax. He's needs a little bit of medical attention, but he's fine. Uh, Holden will be fine as well. Um, so here's the thing. Uh, when they're on Tycho Station, uh, and they, they, they do the video package thing that we'll talk about in a minute, uh, they mention that it's been four months since Ganymede, which means that it took them, like, almost four months to get from Ganymede to Tycho. Really? That's my assumption, because there's, well, okay, maybe, maybe not. There's no way. Maybe not the full four months, because... It has been four months since May was taken, since Ganymede went down. Uh, when they're really? on Tycho, yeah, it has been four months since then. Um, most of that had to I have been travel I do not remember time. that at all. Yeah, it's 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 in the video package. It's like four months ago, his daughter was taken. Huh. That's weird. Yeah, I just totally did not remember it. Yeah, so that's. My, my thought process is it had to be at least two and a half months of them traveling back to Tycho because it's not like they arrived on Ganymede like the next day after it or like a week after it. There had to have been some time between. Uh, and, you know, Prax was doing his whole scavenger hunt thing and, you know, waking up doing this, then doing going through his, his motions and whatnot. So hmm. it was probably at least a couple of weeks uh, by the time that the crew of the Rossi made it to Ganymede after the after the situation went down, but it's four months later by the time they're back on Tycho, and I was like, "Wow, man!" Like I, I know that there is a lot of um, uh, time progression in this series. Uh, like there was a decent amount in in Leviathan Wakes, but it's just it's just weird to think about um, just how quickly that time just kind of flies by in the book. See, I don't, I, I don't like that. I like, I like Star Wars rules where it's just like, it's like it just happens, or it's like a day or two days. I just, to me, for some, I don't know why, but it's just a, I know it's more realistic or whatever, but it's just a pet peeve. It's like, what do you mean it was four months? No, it wasn't. It was that was like two page. That was like four pages ago. Yeah, I feel like it gives the it gives the universe depth. It's a false depth. It, it it's it's just like oh wow it's big, okay. So what is that that what that doesn't that functionally does not really do much. It it anyway we we don't have to go down this rabbit hole but for some reason it's that that's the one of my reading pet peeves and maybe maybe why I, I blocked it out. No, I, I get that. Um... But I just thought that was interesting. Uh, but before we get too deep into that that bit there, um, so yeah, they they go they make it back to Tycho, and uh, Holden confronts uh, Fred about everything. He's like yelling at him, and Fred keeps. I was his... cringing this whole time. It's yeah, it's just an, it was just like it was just like when um, when Miller Miller did the same thing in Leviathan Wakes, and uh, before he knew who Fred was, then he was like, oh, oh shit. Uh, Sorry, I didn't know who you were. <laughs> I was gonna say I'd forgotten that. That does lend credence to the Millerization of of Holden. Yeah, but yeah, he has his big blow up on Fred, and Fred's basically just he he pulls a "Who do you think you are? I am" on Holden, 
And I which honestly, is absolutely fair. It, it is. I was, I was, I was going to say Holden absolutely deserves this this verbal beatdown that Fred gives him. Uh, and he fires Holden in the crew, and he's just like, he's like, he's like, you know what? I've been having to deal with your your self righteous bullshit for uh, for over a year and a half now, and you you're only allowed to do these things because I allow it, and you're just you're ungrateful, uh, you're an asshole, and you know what? I don't have to deal with you anymore. So consider the repairs that we're doing on your ship for free, by the way, uh, a severance package. But you're you're done, and um. That actually is a major weight off of Holden's shoulders, and he, he's like, he's thinking for the first time in a long time, he feels really good about it. But as he's leaving, uh, Fred's Fred's like, I didn't do it, by the way, I didn't release the proto molecule. Uh, but I, I love how he kind of says what I was saying the other the other day, where he's he's like, he basically says to Holden, "You really think, you honestly, truly believe that I have the only sample of the proto molecule in the universe, you child." Are you serious right now? Do you know what the odds are of that? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Holden, geez, come on. Like, there's a good, op- a very, very good possibility that that was not the only surviving sample. Like, come on, man. Uh, but yeah, Fred's, Fred, He after he's like kind of calmed down a second as Holden's leaving, he's like, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. Uh, so we, at least for now, can close that book that i feel like you and i had already closed at this point yeah i will say this was very disappointing for me not from a writing perspective i'm not i'm not saying that because there are some truly hard-headed people out there in this world but i was very disappointed that um holden was not chastened by this but rather was happy about it i was like I i was very i was i was very annoyed with him on a personal level um, not necessarily as a storytelling choice, but it's just like, come on, dude, you you need to you need to take some sort of accountability or some lesson from what you just did, and you're and you're just like, oh, I'm so relieved. It's just like, well, it, it, it was a it was a little bit annoying to me. Well, that kind of kind of the the lesson is that he realizes like that all of the a lot of the bad that he's been doing is coming from the stress of being under Fred's thumb. And once he realizes that Fred's thumb is now off of his shoulders, that weight is gone and he now actually feels like he can breathe. And that's this is what leads to his character shift back into more of what we knew him as in Leviathan Wakes. I can see that argument, but I also think that he needs to be under Fred's thumb. Uh, I, I, I'm still pretty anti-Holden and I think he re- somebody really needs to be like you know holding his feet to the fire some sort of like because otherwise he's a little and there to to be fair there is kind of an interesting way of that happening that we can maybe talk about a little bit later that that develops but just just he's to me he's just too much of a loose cannon and i just i just need to see him kind of button down a little bit get 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 i don't know i'm just i I, he has annoyed me from the very beginning so it was nice to see that at first in this book it felt like okay now he's doing something worthwhile he's not just freelancing and 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 just he's he's committed himself to to a to a a, i what i would consider a good political project in terms of like uh like do like protecting the sovereignty and and uh you know security 
of of the the uh, the outer planet kind of the, the belters you know being part of that political project versus just just being a freelancer i mean i can see that but but that's that that's that's neither here nor there well there is one other thing that happens when they disembark though when they get to Tycho that i think we should talk about sure yeah so naomi has uh like like i said earlier the tension has been building and uh she leaves and uh amos and alex are both all just kind of like hey do we need a new xo and he's like i don't know i no, maybe i'm not sure it just kind of depends and they're like we don't we don't want a new one we want her and he's like i do too not even from a from a relationship standpoint but from a she's just real damn good at her job and we need her and there's this bit where you know they, they kind of uh holden kind of comes to realize and i think this is another catalyst to his character um uh d regression um where he realizes basically through alex we have a we have a really nice alex moment uh believe it or not uh that uh, cause Alex is like, you know, how much do we get paid? And he, he's, he, you know, and he's like, I, I mean, I have, we have a joint bank account and if you guys, you know, a quarter of it is yours, if you want the money, I'm, I've never, I've never skimmed you guys on money. If you needed it, you know, money's been going into the ship for all of us. But other than that, everything that is in there is split equally four ways. And he's like, yeah, but that's not my point. We're not here because we get paid for it. If we wanted to get paid, we we just leave and go join a, get a, get a real job basically on another ship we're here because we love it here because we're family because that's we, we we love each other and we love working with each other this is what we consider home that's why we're here and he's like you know naomi is a part of that so she needs to be a part of that otherwise we're lost and i it was it was a really 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 nice moment to actually be like and i'm alex and it's like yes you are yes you are alex I, I always knew he was a good character. So there was something there was something good there, but it was just nice to have confirmation of that in that moment. Yeah. So Naomi is staying with Sam, the mechanic, uh, and keeping her distance from Holden because she's still not entirely sure what she's going to be doing moving forward either. Um, but meanwhile, Prax is staying with uh, um, Amos in in a. Uh, whatever kind of hole they're holed up in right now in a pseudo capsule hotel yeah and he's worried uh because you know no no progress on finding his daughter and so he's looking to hire basically a pi to help find her but he can't afford it and he asked his uh his ex-wife for money and she sent him what little she could but it just wasn't enough and then this is when holden comes in to the apartment that him and or not the apartment but the, the the capsule room hole that him and amos are in and uh amos amos is like dude like what are you doing we told you we're gonna find her why are you looking for other people to, to find her when we already told you we're going to what are you doing man and like holden comes in and he's asking like what's going on and uh he's just like yeah i don't have the money to it to do it and he's just you know he's like I, i've already asked people i can and it's just not enough he's like who else could i ask for and uh holden's just like how about everybody and the plan that he comes up with is he's going to do one of his famous holden tell-alls to the universe 
but this time it's not going to be about Mars or the protomolecule or any, well I mean it is kind of about the protomolecule actually, actually but it's more so about this is this is Praxodike Meng and his daughter was taken in the Ganymede incident and uh, here's the footage we have of, of that and if you have any information or if you know if you would like to throw some money his way that basically they create a GoFundMe uh, for Prax and they create this nice little video package for it and send it out and uh, it works really 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 well almost immediately Prax gets way more than enough money to to pay the Rosinante crew for this job in an official rel relatively official capacity yeah yeah the, this is this is an interesting kind of thing and um we can kind of get back to it but i have some thoughts about this portion that kind of tie into a lot of my thoughts about what happens uh on Tycho. yeah go for it well well we need one more thing to happen and then i'll i'll, I'll i can wrap a bunch of different episodes up and or a bunch of different uh moments up in a bow about why I don't like this. Oh. Uh, uh, you talking about with Naomi? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, which he, he gets Na where Naomi is from, Amos, and he goes to the bar that she's at, and they have their talk, and it's basically, he's just like, you're right, you were right, I kind of suck, I've been sucking, but you know what, it's cool, I got fired, and she's like, okay, Holden, I, I, I'm, I'm reducing this a lot, I, I really am being super reductive with this with this explanation. But it's basically just him being like, you were right, I suck. And she's like, this is a good start. I love you, but we're not we're not fully back there yet, but this is a good start. Yes, so I'll, I'll just go ahead and throw my thoughts in here now. It's too tidy. All of this is too tidy. Um, the, they're, they're, they, Holden and Naomi are broken up for a chapter and a half before she like forgives him and comes back onto the Rosinante. Um, the... Meng gets gets uh, money from like donations. He goes viral essentially, and then like with a GoFundMe, and then and gets mad donations to the point where he's able to like fund this adventure like four times over. For some reason that sticks with me, but I think it was something like that. And um, and then combine this with like the the whole the way that the Soren situation occurred, where it was like it happened. And then, like, the payoff was so quick in all of these instances where the bad thing was avoided. Soren's treachery was immediately sniffed out. Uh, the money problem was immediately solved. The relationship problem lasted a chapter and a half, essentially, I think. So, it, it's just, like, the payoffs, it's, it's all too tidy. The payoffs are coming too quick, and it just obliterates any sense of stake that any of those problems have. And I don't necessarily, I don't think it drags down the book as a whole. Um, like there are, there's still a lot to like about the book. Um, you know, when especially with what to come, and even things that happen during this portion, like like we've talked about, and I've been very positive on. But I just this part, the Tycho Station part, and the, the coupled with the Soren thing, really irked me, and it feels like either. I don't know what the deal is. Maybe it was a situation where there was just too many plot points and they really had to wrap it up within a certain number of like pages and like things got cut like way down. 
but I, I, I will say like all of these things really stuck in my craw here. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I don't mind it too much because I, I feel like these are mostly just kind of setups to get us to the finale. And it's just, I guess, minor character problems in order to just kind of set up the final situation. Because, like, I mean, to be fair, I feel like of all the things you're you're mentioning, the most believable one is James Holden making a personalized video package for a man and it going viral. Like, that, I mean, that that that's fine. But it's just, like, all of those things happening just it, they, it's just it's just a little too convenient uh, well and it also just like it's it's not that it's just convenient it's just that when the so when the solution occurs in such close proximity to the problem that you vaporize the stakes like it, we're, we're back to uh chewbacca death fake out it's not that bad but it is kind of like there should this should be like the the, the loss of naomi or the loss of the relationship with Naomi, rather, um, should should provi- should provide some sort of like emotional through line, you know, to Holden to kind of bridge him from Miller Holden back to uh, good guy Holden, essentially. You know that that should be that there there should be some sort of like development of the relationship with himself with the crew and particularly with Naomi he, there there but there's not really a lot of growth there like as you say it's it's reductive but it is also very true that he was just like hey Naomi actually you were right about everything um please come back and then she's immediately comes back you know and after it, it's just it's just i don't know it just does not work from for me all of those those beats it just i i feel like functionally they they could have not existed at all well i mean to be fair it's not so much that she's just like okay we're we're back together and everything's fine again it's their relationship is now starting to become it's it's on the mend it's not repaired it's on the mend and she's agreeing to return to the rosinante because regardless of what happens between him and her because he, he's like he's like I, he's like if we're done whatever like I, I i it sucks and i don't want it to be but i can live with that i just i need you on the rosinante for more than just because i'm in love with you but be, it's because you're the xo you're just as much a part of this family as amos and alex so like we need you on the ship so it's her, she agrees to come back to the ship and granted here pretty soon their relationship does get fully repaired but at this point in time it's only like it's it's on the path to being repaired it's not fully repaired she's like like i said she says this is a, this is the, this is a good start and she still i mean she never not loved him and she even says i love you but like this isn't enough you have to show more but you're you're on the right path but he doesn't really show more like until I don't remember because I I've read a little bit in the last couple of days. Um, I don't know if this is in part four that we'll be covering next time, or within this part. But it's there's, it's just it's just too easy. It's just there's not really, there's not really a lot of. I don't know. There it it doesn't really seem like he has to do that much. It just seems like it's 
there there there's like one awkward con- a couple awkward conversations like oh she wasn't looking at me uh she always used to look at me or oh she's she's being a little more formal and professional whereas before she was kind of like relaxed and then like immediately we're, we're back into like where they were uh and and then beyond even the end of the last book so it just i don't know i there it's it's not that i'm not okay with it ending up there it's just like i feel like this needed to happen earlier and be more of a more of a driving force not something that just it it honestly can can essentially just get hand waved at least in my opinion i i can say through experience that sometimes some what seem like major relationship problems can be fixed with just a conversation i mean that's true but that doesn't make for good writing well that doesn't make for interesting interesting writing at least but to be fair though it it, uh, if i remember correctly and this this is kind of to your point um i think the only thing that kind of like takes them from on the mend to repaired is his i think it's the who who are we speech that he gives the crew when they get back mm-hmm. on the ship i think it's that that's that's the the thing where she's like okay um meet me uh, meet me in bed upstairs and he's like who's bunk and she's like what do you mean who's bunk yeah so there was something like the, the point yeah that all of that to say it's not i'm not saying that the book is bad it's just uh, all of these little plot conveniences i would rather if if they're not going to have like really like a lot of meat to them i think it would have been better to just focus on other you know longer term things that will have a bigger sense of emotional uh payoff for the reader at least that's just my read on it yeah i I just i I don't think the plot points were big enough to spend any more time on them than they than they already did because like like the like the getting money and that's fine but like if that's the case they shouldn't be there like they every all of these plots you know they, they need to feel weighty they need to feel like they matter yeah and and i mean the the naomi thing is something that has been building since the start of the book and granted yeah the consequences of them are very short-lived but i i just i just don't have a problem with that personally it's just i don't know it just doesn't feel like there was like it feels like it was like pretty much like the at the same level it was for a long portion of the book then there was like this big rupture and then it's it's kind of it's back to better than ever uh you know within the space of like like two chapters you know in in a book that's like 40 50 chapters you know and that's it's 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 just in my opinion if for these things that especially when it comes to character relations that are like this important you need you need a bigger pop and this is this was just like a like a little bit of a a a roadblock a speed bump when it should have been like a like a full should should have should have had more reverberations you you putting it this way reminds me of the bit in Bruce Almighty where he gets his job back and he's talking to his boss and he's telling him about how he like did this like massive spiritual finding of himself and reassessed his priorities and all of these other things and his boss is just like you did all that in a day and he's like imagine what <laughs> i could do with 7 
<laughs> it just it just reminded me of that little bit. That's kind of funny. Uh, that's a great movie. It still holds up, by the way. I watched yeah, I it. I watched it last in, year. In quite a few years. Yeah, you should watch it sometime. It might still be on Netflix. It, it still holds up. It was good. Just don't watch Evan Almighty. Oh, well, that was the sequel, right? Yeah. Like the... Yeah, I don't remember that one at all. It's a waste of Steve Carell, I'll tell you that much. But yeah, with the whole Prax thing, like, yeah, he's, he's making, like, a lot of money. And uh, it, it has... Um, it's, it's like any other crowdsourced kind of thing where people can leave comments. But it, more than just comments, they can also send, like, little, little video responses because it's the future. And Prax, his whole storyline at this point right now is just, and then I read some more comments, and then I watched some more responses, and then I read some more comments, um, <laughs> which it's it's a little it's a little tedious if I'm being honest, but uh, he does. Uh, we do learn something major. Someone does respond to him saying, "Hey, um, I know the person you refer to as Doctor Strickland, but that's not what his name is." He's like, "I used to work with him." Uh, he, so he starts a bit of a correspondence with this guy. And the guy's like, yeah, I used to work with him at the uni- at this university, and I forgot what his name, his actual name was, but basically he started getting, he thought he was like the hottest shit that ever came out of an ass, but he actually was just hot shit. Um, and he, he, before he could, he, he basically pulled a, I'm not fired, I quit on the university, and, uh, just spouted off some rhetoric that Holden recognizes as protogen rhetoric. So Holden thinks that this dude is former protogen. Hmm. And so they have a bit of a lead. And um, I really like, I really like the, the bit where Prax grabs the whole crew and is like, Hey, um, based on all of this information and what we know about, and he, he basically deep dives the protomolecule soldiers and figures out their weakness. And the fact that they're like, there, the the incendiary bomb was inside of it as a form of like, uh, of of just a um, it's a, it's a kill switch that the the UN can use to destroy them if they lose control of them because they're trying to control them but they haven't yet and that's why the one at the in the first chapter that Bobby fought just suddenly spontaneously combusted was because of that and that's why when the one left the ship it left a bomb behind that's where the bomb came from and um. He's like they're getting it's getting smarter. It's starting to kind of like mentally adapt and evolve to where it's finding ways to get rid of its its essentially its controller and become more sentient and able to do what it wants when it wants as it wants. And that's super yeah, super it's, dangerous. It's reverting back to the normal protomolecule. It's it's like trying to get around the engineering that the UN has put on it to kind of prevent it from being doing what the proto molecule is it's trying it's getting around its controls and kind of like reverting back to its original form yeah but like but like a 2.0 form because of what the un has done with it yeah so that's terrifying and uh yeah prax kind of figures that out and he's like because of because of all of this information because of all this they have to be their base has to be close to ganymede because there's no way that they could do any of this stuff and with the time frame that it would take for what it seems like these protomolecule soldiers are potentially losing control and need to be terminated, they can't have gone far from their base. So it has to be somewhere close. And the, the, where, he, where he ends up tracking it down to is he's like, it's got to be on IO. That's, 
that's our best bet. There's no other place their base would be. It has to be on IO. And I gotta level with you. This is some like this is some good detectiving from from Prax. I feel I was like I was like, damn, dude, like nice, nice job. Like that was some it, it was engaging. It was actually nice. It was good to give have let Prax have this moment because to this extent, to a certain extent, he's been. And we made this comparison pretty early on, but like the Michael from Lost character, essentially, he feels that sort of like crazed, desperate parent, lost my child archetype. But now he's 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 finally doing some things that are moving the plot forward in a constructive way, yeah. versus just kind of like stumbling into things. So that 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 goes a long way to like. Generally, I think it's better writing to have your give your characters agency um i mean well let me back it up he did have agency just make bad decisions it's just it just it's easier to and be from a, a reader's perspective to be invested in the character when they're when they're not when they're not like failing at it, everything they do yeah and so they have a goal in mind on where they're going to go uh but it's somewhere around this point that he starts noticing that he's getting a lot of like super negative comments like oh you're sick uh you you need to, you deserve to rot in hell for what you did and he's like wait what and he he looks at the news and it turns out that his wife is uh making this response to him saying that um he physically mentally and sexually abused may and uh forced her to abandon may and it's like her biggest regret and it's 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 lie. It's very clearly lies. Like someone someone from the UN clearly has um, taken her and coerced her into saying these things about Prax because part of that video package had the proto molecule in it. And something that we see in Avasarala's story with this this going on is because she's like, "Wow, Holden just said the proto molecules on Ganymede again. Thanks, Holden. That's going to create a panic." And but like the the, the news cycles for the UN and Officer Allah assumes Mars is doing the same, are just going full smear, being like, oh, that's not the proto-molecule. That's just... That's just... Goo. What an idiot that Jim Holden is. Oh, my God. Who be who would believe that fool? What an idiot. And, yeah, someone got to Meng's ex-wife and basically had her create these lies to make him look like just the absolute worst human being ever that's exploiting a, a tragedy for his own personal gain so it doesn't seem like it's a massive hampering on his indiegogo but because uh, i think there's a comment that he think or there's something he thinks about where it's like it's something like for and I, I it's it's a relatively small amount of like horrible messages that he gets compared to the positive messages he gets but also in that vein um, there's a bit where with officer Rolla where she she starts sending out phone calls to uh, to people saying like she, uh, hey uh, did you did you grab that that Meng's ex-wife and have her do that because like if you did I, yeah, I want to know who who's the one that grabbed her uh because um that was really fucking stupid and i can't believe you did that and if you didn't do that i need to know who um so that was fun i like that little bit with officer Ola. yeah it was interesting because she has the the sort of political moxie 
that she was able to and that that's something that she kind of has that we see a lot we kind of talked about it a little bit on the, the during the soren um revelation but she has like an almost preternatural sherlock holmes-esque ability to like see through political deceptions and it's kind of it's it, even if we we may not see the see see the work so to say to the, how she comes up with these deductions it is fun nevertheless to to watch her kind of work the political process yeah which i mean we just don't... shake the trees yeah which we don't need to see like essentially a proof of concept of her being able to do this because we've we already given given enough context already in the fact that she's an old woman that's been doing this for a long time so it's like we know she's experienced um and whatever context clues were given from the writing of her we we it, it tells us enough to know that she is incredibly intelligent incredibly politically savvy and she knows how to play the game and work the systems uh to, to her benefit so yeah i don't think and it's I, I agree and it's 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 not necessarily that kind of book but it's i, I it's it's just it's one of those things where it's a nice to have but not mandatory like to see the clues essentially yeah but you know it's 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 good enough like she's a good enough character and the 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 the, the process work is is interesting enough in the and and you know i say interesting is good and and entertaining enough that you can just blow past the clues and all that it's but it's 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 just one of those things that it's it's a nice to have but not mandatory because the character is written in such a way that she's you know you you just you just buy it and you're able to you you work with it and you're 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 caught up in following the plot rather than wait what how did how did she come up with that you know yeah so now at this point the crew they have their their plan in place and now they're heading to io to um start the finale and avasarala at this point she that's when she knows that the 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 destroyers have broken off from ganymede on an intercept course for the rosinante um and that's when she's like we need to we need to get into contact with them and then that's when she has um that's when she has bobby take control of the ship um and she's like hey we need to uh we need to get to the Rosinante, and Bobby's like, "There's no way this luxury cruiser is going to be able to burn fast enough in order to catch up to them." And she's like, "Okay, well, we need something fast." And Bobby's like, "Hmm, if only there was some uh, racing ship on board that we could use. I don't know, some okay. sort of uh, Razorback or something." And so. There we go. That's how Avasarala and Bobby start their collision course with Holden and the crew. Yeah, that that was a, that was a nice way to, to kind of tie to, as far as we know, kind of uh, put a bow on that sort of that callback. Yeah, and so um, Alex. Uh, oh well, okay. Before we get to that, we gotta do the who are we thing. Um, but yeah, Holden gives this really big speech to the crew when they all get back together before they leave. And it's the, the crux of it is the, who are we like in this, this whole time we've been working together. Uh, we've just been kind of going with the flow of the situation that we've been pulled into, but we're looking at for the first time ever since we've been together, um, an actual open possibility. We don't have anyone lording over us. We don't have any jobs. We don't have anything. We are what we want to be from here on out and if that means we need to go our separate ways we go our separate ways but if we want to stay together and try and become mercenaries or freelancers or whatever this is the time to do it 
and this is when we figure out who we are as a crew and what we are doing and I do really like it I think it's a really great speech and it's a great way to kind of like I guess um, renew the vows of the crew so to say yeah and and I, I like I like the this is kind of what I was talking about a little bit earlier like about giving some sort of accountability to Holden where whereas before it was kind of a a, a top down which a top down sort of like coming from the OPA the reorganization of the crew of the Rocinante to essentially be like a how to put this like a co-op mercenary group essentially a like a democratized co-op scenario for like their their mercenary group was i think is 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 actually a very interesting uh way to to go forward and 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 also one of the the ways that i think it's it, it adds a little bit of i don't i don't know how quite how to, but like hope i guess it's it's like a nice thing it's it's a very nice moment when when the crew comes together and they they, they kind of reaffirm their commitment to one another and to the to this idea of being these these um freelancers on the side of good you know taking up these good causes and stuff and then they kind of like they 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 have a show of uh a show of faith so to say in in holden they they essentially re-elect him captain um but they also are like but also you know there we we want more of a a democratic uh decision making moving forward and i don't know it's 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 a nice i think it's a nice way to uh to sort of as as a holden skeptic it was a nice way to balance out the character but also maintain the structures of the relationship and maybe deepen them somewhat yep and you know what he won back the girl yes yeah, yep. that, that that happens pretty that shortly thereafter. Yep, she's like, "Cool, you want to have celebratory sex?" And he's like, "You know it." So, yay! <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, he gets he gets uh, woken up from his um, postcoital uh, respite by Alex saying, "Hey, uh, you're gonna need to you're gonna want to come and hear this." And it's it's a message from Avasarala in the Razorback saying, "Hey." Um, you got you got a bunch of UN destroyers uh, coming to kill you. Um, come meet me here, and this is where we finally get all of them coming together. They meet up, and Bobby comes in first, and she's all imposing in her armor, looking down on them like a space marine, and they're all just like, "Holy shit, what is that?" And she's like, "Yeah, you want to put your weapons away?" And they're like, "Yes, ma'am." And so they meet Avasarala, and Avasarala puts together yet another video package where she's like uh i have been i've been graciously welcomed aboard the rosinante with jim holden where we are discussing ways for uh the opa and the un to come together against uh to, to help ganymede and and you know figure out what's like these how to solve these problems and all of this and she sends it out and it's a way to kind of uh take the heat off of holden because now she's basically like what are you gonna do kill me too Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also from there that um, she learns the the truth of the protomolecule soldiers from from Prax, who basically gives her the rundown that he gave them before. And um, 
one thing I will say as well that's kind of an aside is I really love the uh, the interactions that have happened so far between um, uh, the crew and Officer Ola and Bobby. Like, um, because Alex is also from Mars, him and Bobby have automatically just kind of, like, uh, it's, it's almost like a subconscious... Um, I, I don't want to use a term as like as 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 like harshest segregation, because uh, that's not what I mean. But they 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 they've 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 started to like subconsciously group themselves together away from everyone in situ in certain situations because they're both Martians, and they have it, like it's just because they have a similar frame of reference, similar cultural background. So maybe there's, and and they 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 do they have a general like you know good rapport so it, it just kind of flows from there naturally that they that they because um i think previously alex was like the only martian i think everybody else was either a belter or from earth so it gives him a sort of like there i guess there's a sort of comfort in, in meeting someone from a similar cultural background yeah but like i um I really enjoy the conversations that they've been having and like the, the like it's not so much bonding but just kind of the just the the information that we're gathering from the two of them just from their conversations. I don't know, I just really like the interactions that have been happening as the these storylines have finally come come together. It's fun. Yeah. It's nice. But um in response to learning all these things about the the protomolecule monsters, uh she sends this like massive half hour long message to um to Aaron Wright saying, Hey, um, whatever you think you're going to accomplish with these protomolecule monsters, don't do it. It's not gonna work. This is gonna backfire. This is gonna be a problem, and you are going to regret it. Do not do this. This is a bad idea. And um throughout this whole section, uh Bobby has been like you're crazy. You're insane. They're gonna kill you. They're gonna try to kill you. Like you're walking into an ambush. They're just you're you're you're. Why do you not care that you're about to die? And she's just been like, it's fine. That's not how this is played. This isn't how this works. You're you're overreacting. You don't know what you're talking about. So now, she doesn't ever get a response from Aaron Wright personally, but what she sees is that all of those those destroyers that were um, disengaged once the her, she sent out her her little video package with Holden to say hey I'm on the Rosinante uh, when they they that that like kind of like ceasefire that happened with them after that happened well that's now gone they're now coming right back on a collision course with the Rosinante to destroy it despite her being on it and I love this and she goes over to to Bobby about that and she's like hey um if you were ever going to tell me I told you so, now's the time to do it. And that's where we end for this section. Yeah, that, that was overall a very good section. Lots of really interesting plot points. Um, things starting to heat up. I don't know. This was, this was uh, I think, this we took a little bit longer this time in terms of uh, discussing, but... But in terms of reading, I think this was far and away my shortest uh, time. It just I, the, these pages. It was it was I was just burning through it. Yeah, I use um I use an app called Bookly to kind of track my reading. Uh, I use it for like stats and and like record keeping, and it gives you some like really great information like your 
your average um, pages per per hour on a book or just in general for all of your books because not all books are created equally in terms of how long a page is. But it's a lot of really cool stats and you, just, you start the timer uh, when you start reading, you end the timer when you're done reading and you type in what page you stopped at. And um, for this section, um, it shows like all of your reading sessions and the stats of those reading sessions and compared to the previous session there'll either be a green up arrow or a red down arrow to see show if you've been if your if your stats are improving or um uh diminishing from your previous session and almost every single session of this of this part of the book it was just nothing but green arrows like i was reading it faster and faster and faster because i was getting like more and more and more into it which to be fair the, this faster and faster and faster it was like going from like 1.17 uh, pages per minute to 1.15 pages per minute to 1.12 pages per minute. So it was like minor increases, but I was just getting more and more into it. So I was just kind of like, just go going quicker and quicker through it. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, this is so good. Oh, this is great. And it just, it just became a real page turner. So. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, I don't know. It was really good. And, um, I think, I think, but I think that gets us this time. Um, really looking forward to uh wrapping it up next time not because i'm not liking it but because i'm i'm just excited to see how it all ends yeah um but you know thank you everybody for listening uh to yet another episode of the sad boys book club uh this is daniel this is dusty and we'll see you next time take care